This is the podcast for RUF at Wake Forest. RUF exists for the convinced and the unconvinced, the lost and the found, the burned and the bored, the cynical and the spiritual. Whoever you are and whatever your story, RUF exists for you. For more information, check out our Instagram at RUF Wake Forest. Now, here's today's teaching. Our sermon passage tonight is Psalm 127, verses 1 through 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So John Piper, who's a pastor in Minnesota, he said, Have you ever wondered why God made us in such a way that we have to sleep away a third of our lives? God could have designed a human being that was always fresh and rested and needed no sleep. Why did he decree that sleep be a part of human experience? Here's my opinion. He wanted to give a universal reminder to the human race that we are but children and we ought to own up to it. We are so frail that we have to become helpless and unconscious and blind and weak every day in order to live at all. Sleep is a terribly humbling experience. And I love that phrase, we are but children and we ought to own up to it. Um, College is a transition time when you're caught in between childhood and adulthood. In college, you're real adults, like you moved out of your parents' house Uh, but it doesn't feel that way a lot of times. Like, we want to be able to prove ourselves uh, to ourselves, to our parents, to our future employers. We want to be able to say, I can handle myself. I am a real adult. But with that being said, I want to bring two things out of this passage today that might be counterintuitive. Uh, Number one, we are but children. And number two, that's a good thing. We are but children, and that's a good thing. And just as a disclaimer, I'm relying heavily on sermons uh, that John Piper and a professor named Anthony Bradley preached on this. So the first one, we are but children. Uh, Look back at the passage. Look at the images of building a house and watching over a city. On one level, they're they're describing that God is deeply involved in jobs that might sound strange to us. Uh, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. That's like saying, unless the Lord finishes the renovations on South Campus, the construction workers labor in vain. Uh, To say, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain, is kind of like saying, unless the Lord watches over Wake Forest, campus police try to protect campus in vain. Like, this is a strange dynamic that's hard to nail down. We, We might see construction workers and campus police doing their jobs day in and day out. But what this passage is telling us is that somehow God is right there alongside them, making their work happen. It's kind of like when a father is trying to teach a child how to golf or swing a baseball bat for the first time. It's like he has to show the child where to put his hands on the golf club and has to get around him and actually show him how to uh, swing back, her back, I don't know what the word is. He has to show him how to swing through. Uh, And it's the father who's doing all the heavy lifting but the child is the one who's technically doing the work. Uh, Think about your work as a part of this. You could say, unless the Lord writes the paper, 
the student stares at the blank Word document in vain. You could say, unless the Lord makes your summer internship go well and spends it into a full-time job when you graduate, you labor to make a good impression and do good work in vain. Or expand this outside of our work. Uh, unless the Lord gives you friends, you labor to make friends in vain. Unless the Lord gives you a place to live once you graduate, you labor to find a place to live in vain. No matter how good we are at what we do, or no matter how much power we think we have, this psalm tells us that we are utterly dependent on God like a young child is dependent on his parents. John Piper puts it this way. He says, no matter how hard you work to achieve anything, its achievement and the fulfilling enjoyment of it depend decisively on God. Let me push this a little bit deeper. Uh, In the Old Testament, the idea of building a house was not just limited to building like a physical house, so construction, uh, but it referred to something more broadly, like building one's legacy or dynasty. It referred to the building up of a community, and it even had explicitly spiritual implications sometimes. Uh, It's like saying God builds his people into a healthy, prosperous, righteous people. And the idea of watching over a city has the same broad connotations. It means securing uh, the life that you have built for yourself from external threats. So for the people living in the Old Testament time, that would have meant being able to live at peace without always suffering from the threat that someone was going to come into your city and take your house and your family and your whole way of life from you. So let me try to expand this and turn it on us. Um, What kind of life are you trying to build for yourself? There was a study done by a professor at Notre Dame. Uh, His name's Christian Smith. He asked religious people, what is the purpose of life? And the study found that no matter what religious tradition someone came from, their answers included the dual sense of both uh, having life go well, meaning getting to enjoy success and happiness in this life, and living life rightly, meaning doing what is morally right. And I think that dual sense can help give words to us as we think about the life that we're trying to build. Like we all want to live a life that is good and happy, where we get to enjoy success and where we live in a way that is morally right. Like I think we can own that on some level, that's what we're working for. Because let's apply this to college. The promise of college uh, is that if you can just get admitted, do well in your classes and graduate, then you'll be given access to the right connections and internships and ultimately even the right jobs that will allow you to build a happy, good, meaningful life for yourself and eventually your family. And notice, this psalm does not correct that desire at all. Like the Bible always redirects our lives away from just being focused on ourselves to glorifying God and loving our neighbor but the core desire to want to build a house for ourselves and to want to live securely, like that's good. Notice though, where the Psalm lays the burdens for those things happening. Unless the Lord builds the house and unless the Lord watches over the city. The final burden for all of those things rests on God. So just like we don't control the final outcomes for our papers and our internships, We also don't control the final outcomes for the big picture things in our lives. We are but children, 
utterly dependent on our Father. And that's a good thing. This is the second point. That's a good thing. And on one level, it does not seem like a good thing for us to be children dependent on God. Like on one level, it seems unfair. Uh, there's a song that RUF likes to sing sometimes. We call, uh, or it's called, I Ask the Lord. Um, it's written at a par- as a part of a larger hymn book by a man named John Newton a few hundred years ago. Uh, and the story behind that hymn book is kind of tragic. Um, as John Newton was writing that hymn book, he was co- co-writing it with one of his good friends, uh, and they intended for it to serve as a rich resource for churches and for it to be a testament to their friendship. But while they were writing, both of them hit a lot of unexpected turbulence in their life, and John Newton's friend ended up going insane. Um, Even though their purpose was sweet and noble and everything that you would expect God to get behind, John Newton uh, said that God seemed pleased to cross my fair designs, meaning God seemed to go out of his way to make things difficult for him. And if God is willing to upend the writing of a hymn book, that tells us something. It tells us that no matter how good or noble we think the work that we're doing is, we do not have final control over anything. God does. And if our lives up to this point are any indicator, God is not in the business of giving, uh, God is not in the business of giving us lives of perfect happiness, fulfillment, and security. Like instead, God often allows us to suffer. So if we are but children who are not in control and the one who is in control might allow us to suffer, why is it a good thing that he's the one who's in control? Well, let's zoom out uh, and think again broadly about the life that we're trying to build. We want to build one that's happy, fulfilling, um, and meaningful. And we want to be able to secure it for ourselves so we're not always hounded by anxiety and uncertainty. Uh, Anthony Bradley says that just being able to do this is fascinating because it's almost like we can take a third-person perspective on our lives and consider it's like, oh yeah, that's what I want. Like, it's fascinating, but when we try to take up the weight of actually making that life happen, we find that that task is filled with pressure. Like, we find that a happy, fulfilling, ethical life doesn't just happen. And if we're the ones who are finally responsible for the outcomes of our life, then we need to put in an enormous amount of thought and effort to try to make things happen the way that we think they should. We have to be able to exert a certain amount of control over our circumstances and the people around us. We need to be able to manage variables and people's expectations of us. We have to, to use the words of verse 2, rise up early and go late to rest. And sometimes you might feel like you do this well enough, uh, but more often than not, again, to use the words of the passage, those who rise up early and go late to rest end up eating the bread of anxious toil, meaning we end up cracking under the pressure of building a good life for ourselves. And at this point, it's important to caveat that it is good to work, and it is good to work hard, to be organized, to have goals, and not being afraid of putting in the hours necessary to pursue our goals. Like hard work is good, but anxiously toiling as we bear the full weight of our lives is miserable. Um, My junior year in college, everything seemed to be going pretty well. Like at this point, Susan and I had started dating. Uh, I had a handle on my classes. 
uh, I was involved in things on campus that I liked, and I had friends who I enjoyed spending time with. Uh, but then senior year rolled around, and Susan and I started going through a rough patch in our relationship. My classes got really hard, uh, and it hit me that I was going to graduate soon, and all of the uncertainty uh, around that like, started really weighing heavy on me. And there were a lot of days where I literally got up early and went late to rest, uh, barely eating because I was so anxious. And I look back at that year as the year that I finally cracked under the pressure of trying to make sure that my life uh, was the good life that I wanted it to be. Um, and I wonder, as we get to the end of the semester, is there any part of you that's resonating with this psalm? Does it feel like your work is just a lot of anxious toil? Or does it feel like you're overwhelmed and like life at Wake Forest might be too much? Like in some level, uh, do you feel out of control and you're not sure how you're going to put the pieces of your life back together? If any of that is true of you, it could be that you've taken upon yourself a godlike burden that you weren't meant to bear. And it could be that that burden is crushing you. But if you acknowledge that you're a child, you get to reap the benefits of being a child. Um, I went home to Easter, or I went home to Easter. I went home for Easter over the weekend. Uh, and at this point in my life, uh, I'm an adult. And I have a lot of the responsibilities that come along with being an adult. But when I go home, I'm still an adult, but I get to release some of the responsibilities that come along with being an adult. Like instead of having to uh, buy my own groceries, cook my own food, even, you know, pay my own bills, uh, just for a weekend, my parents cooked food, my parents bought groceries, they let me stay in their house where they were paying the bills. Uh, when we go out to eat, they're the ones who pay for dinner, and I don't have to look at my bank account to make sure that uh, there's enough left there. Um, for just a little bit when we were home, uh, a lot of adult responsibilities weren't my problem anymore. Like, they were my parents' problem. And there's a sense in which this psalm gives us the freedom to look at our life, like the to-do lists and the calendars that oppress us, all the things that we've left undone, and all the big questions about what we want our lives to be about and say, God, this isn't my problem. Like, this is your problem. You are going to have to do something about this. We get to reap the benefits of being a child when we place the godlike burdens that we've been carrying on God and trust that he will take care of them. And when we do, we find that God is not only willing to take those burdens from us, he's eager to take those burdens from us. And with the burden of the final responsibility of, for our lives off our back, like we get to sleep. Like that's the last verse here. For he gives to his beloved sleep. So it's kind of incredible because to an overworked, stressed out people, the message of Psalm 127 is God saying, give me your burden, I'll take it, you can go take a nap now. And I'd encourage you to try out Psalm 127 in your own life. Next time you're feeling stressed out or overwhelmed, look at God and say, God, this thing, this is your problem. You need to do something about this. And then go take a nap for 30 minutes and come back. Like, just try it. We're not the ones who are in control anyway. We're children 
And that's a good thing because it means that we get to live like children, free from having to carry the weight of our own lives. Um, so this is my last sermon. Uh, and uh, um, a part of last sermons for RUF traditionally is that you get to share some uh, last words. And uh, for my last words to y'all, I'm going to leave you with a couple of verses from uh, a song called The Good Confession. It's by an artist named Andrew Peterson. Um, Psalm 127 is the passage that has ministered to me most over the last three years. Uh, and Andrew Peterson is the artist who's ministered to me most over the last three years. Um, as I read these verses, um, I hope that as you're considering finals and graduation and just everything that's coming next. Um, I hope that these words can minister to you like they've ministered to me. Um, The song goes, I believe he is the Christ, the son of the living God. All I know is that I was blind, but now I see that though I kick and scream, love is leading me. And every step of the way, his grace is making me Every breath I breathe, he is saving me. So when my body's weak and the day is long, when I feel my faith is all but gone, I'll remember when I sang this song that I believe. Like, may God give you all peace and rest like over these next couple of weeks. Like, let me pray for us. Father, um, you take our burdens not reluctantly, um, but you take our burdens from us because you love us. It is so hard. Um, I so often eat the bread of anxious toil and rise up early and go late to rest because I think um, that my life depends on me. Like, would you teach me and would you teach all of us here that you really do love us, that you will take care of us? Um, May we taste that, like, during these last few weeks that we're at school. Ask this in your name. Amen.